The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk again about a solo game, generally because most of you people are stinky and don't have friends and need to be playing in your own basement by yourselves, but also because we enjoy playing the leader series of games from Danverse and Games. Tonight, I'm joined by one of the newer game designers in the series, Chuck Seeger. Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing excellent, though. Good, good. Glad to have you on the program again. Uh, yep, talking, we previously have talked about Zero Leader, uh, mm-hmm. and we raked you over the coals on that, so we plan yeah. to do the same for your next effort for Stuka Leader. I'm prepared for this one. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you tough questions, and it's going to be a very confrontational interview, so you better be ready there, Buttercup. Uh, that's not a problem. I have my Kevlar on. Exactly, really exactly. <laughs> good excuse, good excuse. Uh, all right, well, so let's, let's give a little bit of background history because some of our listeners you know weren't listening to the podcast when we did the zero leader mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't heard us talk about the other leader series of games so they're not necessarily right. spooled up and and on the same uh, plane for knowing how we ended up at stuka leader so yep. let's step back and let's talk about zero leader uh, okay. what was your mandate going into that game because obviously the leader series has been a great series of solo games it's covered a variety of of here of you know, periods of history, it's covered a variety of platforms. So there's submarine leader games, there's tank leader games, yep. there's World War II airplane leader games, there's bomber leader games, there's jet leader. So there's there's a whole ser- sub-series of games in there. How did you end up being thrown this project that's was called Zero Leader? Well, I was really involved in Corsair Leader, not as a designer or anything like that, but as a, a backer of the Kickstarter, that type of thing. A lot of conversations with Kevin and all that kind of stuff. And when I got Corsair Leader and I started playing it with it and everything, I, you know, this would be a really cool game from the other side. And there's millions of games like Stuka Leader. Okay, Stuka Leader is a fantastic game, but it's German. There's millions of German games out there, but there aren't very many Japanese games, and there still aren't. So I thought, I can do that. I want to do it from that side. And I, I talked to Kevin about it. He got very excited, and away we went. And it turned out I took the base of Claire Leader, so I didn't reinvent the wheel, stayed within the Leader canon, but added a ton of stuff, and just, I had a great time. Um, Stuka Leader is actually a lot more fun than Zero Leader was to design, and the reason is, now I know what I didn't know before. (laughs) You've already made those mistakes, you've stepped in those minefields. (laughs) Yeah, I'm walking in, my eyes open this time, and I know what hand grenades get thrown at me, where with Zero Leader, it was like, da 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 boom. <laughs> it was, that yeah, mind yeah. just showed up out of nowhere. So, um, but Zero Leader was a, it was a great experience. I enjoyed it very much. We actually, I just sent the files to um, Kevin. We're reprinting it because the sales have been so well of it. Uh, we're reprinting it. It's not a second edition because there's very few changes, just a couple of misspelts, including the word ground on the front page of the of the. 
<laughs> rule book. Of oh, the rule book, don't worry, those things are yeah. always there. Right. So we, I made all of those changes, and we just sent that to him. So that's going to be all reprinted and available again uh, with all of the changes to the rules and that kind of stuff. So uh, Zero Leader was, was pretty amazing. I think it shocked Kevin because he gets all these and, and since I've done this, I've, I've talked with some of these people. He's got a lot of people who say, hey, I'm going to design this game about XYZ. And Kevin's like, great, do your research. And then you never hear back from him. Because yeah, they, they disappear at the hard phase, you know, exactly. not, the, uh, not the statting of aircraft phase. It's the, the hard actually doing the research. Right, because they think, well, you know, designing a game is a piece of cake, right? And then that was my thought, too, when I went into it. But I was okay because my research started when I was probably 10 or 11 years old, which is a long time ago. Um, but when I was about 10 or 11 years old, I fell in love with World War II airplanes especially, and very much the Japanese, but all World War II airplanes. Just absolutely right. fell in love with them. So Kevin says, well, what kind of research are you planning? And I said, oh, life experience, you know, and then all the books <laughs> I had read and everything else. So that the research part didn't take me very long. Coming up with a wish list, didn't take me very long, but figuring out what part of that wish list was really reality, uh, that took a while. And it, and it was Well, a, I'm not sure you, you trimmed down that wish list. We, we tell the standard joke that oh. you open up zero liter and there's no room for, there's not even room for air in the, uh, no. in the box because it no. is all counters and cards and filled to the brim with uh, yes. aircraft goodness. I stuck, a, there's a lot of, a lot of product in there. And Kevin and I were laughing as it got to the end. It's like sooner or later, one of us has to say, stop. <laughs> this is enough. Exactly, I yeah. Would, I would say, hey, I got this great idea. And then Kevin wasn't smart enough to say no. Or Kevin would say he had this great idea. And I wasn't <laughs> smart enough to say no. And the yep. next thing you know, you know, we got a 10-pound box of, of that kind of stuff. Stuka Leader probably doesn't have quite that mindset, but... Stuka Leader has seven expansions that are coming out because Zero Leader is pretty much one theater. Yes, you had the China Theater and you could you did that. Um, so, you know, I could do from 1939 to 1945. But Germany, the core game is Western Europe. You attack in Poland all the way through the end of the war. Um, but the expansions allow you to go to the Eastern Front and uh, face those bandits and bombers and stuff. You can also go down to the Mediterranean and do North Africa, the defense of Italy, the, the siege of Malta, those types of things. Um, somebody had mentioned that they wanted, oh, are you going to do the Spanish Civil War? Yep, I'm doing it. So, you know, now you <laughs> can fly Good. an HE-51. Well, apparently it's in vogue. It's the, the Spanish Civil War is in vogue with, with games now, so yeah. people have rediscovered it, and, uh, and there's a lot of both ground, and now you're doing some aviation piece for it, so... Yeah, so it's it was uh, it was fertile ground. It wasn't really that difficult to put this together. Just I mean, the aircrafting also are extremely well known and doing all that type of thing. But it's a little, it's a very little gamed situation. You know, it's it wasn't. Yeah, it was three years long, but it wasn't. There wasn't a lot of like in the Eastern Front, the Battle of Kursk and the Battle of Stalingrad and all of these types of things. Well, you didn't really have in the Spanish Civil War. It was you know very minor stuff going on well, so it's not a big I, game thing and i think and it's kind of pertinent for some things that we we talked about before the podcast started uh the the spanish civil war for aviation has some baggage with it 
because mm-hmm. everyone's immediate thing to think of is Guernica. And so they're yep. immediately thinking of the use of air power against civilians. Uh, so I think people forget that there's an entire other war besides the war crimes of, yep. you know, using air power as a, as a method of terror. But, you know, at the same time, I think we also have to understand that we know we're not going to game terrible, evil things, but there's a lot of combat history and stories around the rest of it that are as any other war is. They're, they're terrible actions, but they're not deliberate targeting of civilians and things like that. So, Correct. There, yeah. there wasn't, there was, I mean, I mean, think about it. The Allies did it. The Germans did it and everything oh, else. Yeah. Where, you know, well, we, we, we had that discussion. We were talking about, the, you yeah. know, uh, Duhay and Mitchell and everybody, you know, in the progression of Duhay, bomb all the civilians, Mitchell, eh, let's hit the big industrial population centers, you know, as, as people right. stepped down from using it as a weapon of terror to, well, we'll get a terror effect, but we'll target legitimate military targets. Yeah, you get you get some interesting crossover of really bad things done in the name of, of winning winning the war, you know. So. Exactly. And I did, you know, like with Spanish Civil War, I have an event um, that you're, the enemy is near a church. So you, you lose, you know, some SOs or that whatever, right. because you got to stay away from that church. You got to, you know, go after the enemy, but not damage this, you right. know, place of worship or whatever you want to call it. So, you know, trying to do that kind of stuff, not just having them mass annihilate the city, which I don't think it would be very easy to do with a JU-86, but yeah, any of this stuff happens. <laughs> well, you so. know, it's, it's one of those interesting things that uh, air power is always interesting until it's being employed against you, then it's terrifying. Yeah, so, terrifying, uh, you know, I, exactly. <laughs> Even I think, I think was, it's the point of it doesn't matter if it's an ME-109 strafing you, you know, he'll probably never right. hit you, but, you know, but it's enough to scare it's you. pretty scary. And yeah. when, you're, when you're flying an uh, an I-15 or an I-16, <laughs> a JU-86 is a pretty impressive aircraft. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Um, so th- that was the kind of cool thing, and that's why I liked it. Just like China in Zero Liter was the ability to bring some uh, lesser quality aircraft into the game. Right. And Because most time when people play an air game or like a tank game or whatever, they don't take the little crappy early war ones that blew up they, they want to always fly the Mustangs and, you know, that so, kind of stuff. Well, let's, let's, you know, take a sidestep here. That literally is one of my frustrations with leader games players is they mm-hmm. never do that. The vast majority. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are some who either like to step back to a historical challenge or, or just they like the challenge of the game so much. They're like, all right, I want to play Phantom Leader with you know, F-104. <laughs> so I'm like, good luck with that one, boys. We're yeah, all counting on you. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Hope you enjoy losing a lot. Um, but but I think one of the problems is we tend to have players in the leader series of games uh, that are power players. And so like mm-hmm. in Hornet Leader, uh, very quickly, everyone realized you didn't really need to do Hornets in most of the missions. You'd fly F-14s and A-6s and, and you'd min-maxed everything. You had the best air-to-air, the best air-to-ground. You always won. But what's the point of winning if that's not what you wanted to fly? You know, so right. it's it's an interesting tension I've at least seen in the um, in the leader series community that that there's mm-hmm. still people who playing a solo game, not realizing they could cheat to win if they really wanted exactly. to. Exactly, if they wanted to, they, yep. they, they they min max it, and you're like, but what if you really just wanted to fly hornets? You right. know, what's wrong with that? What if you, what if you want to fly yeah. a sevens? Come on, man, don't judge me. You know, yeah, exactly. Um, so, so we'll see. We'll see how the community reacts to that in in Stuka Leader because I I would be interested to see what historical crossovers 
crossover points people find where they're like, all right, this one airplane can get me through, you know, six out of seven campaigns, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that, where, where mm-hmm. they still are min-maxing it. They're not flying right. necessarily a historical mix. Right. And I, and I pretty much like the ME-109, okay, I overlapped the 109F and the 109E, and then I overlapped the G and the F, so you can actually keep flying an F pretty much from like 41 on or whatever. So you, you've got the opportunity to fly some aircraft like a lot of them did. There's, there were um, Jagdgeschwaders that only flew 109s throughout the war. You know, right. Yeah, they flew right. all the different marks, but they only flew 109s. Didn't check, didn't touch the 190s or anything like that. So yeah. uh, it, it's very, very interesting. And in the, in the mix, I got plenty of aircraft in there, so there's, there's plenty of mixes. I don't think I have quite as many as zero liter, which is the Germans had very few types of aircraft. The 09s and 190s were basically their single engine fighters throughout the war, but they had millions of marks, millions of, that's F G H K, you know? (laughs) Well, so let's talk about that because that's something that's very unlike a leader series game. Mm -hmm. You, the leader series games, all of the the marks, variants, whatever, are all in there, unless there's some dramatic reason, like Phantom Leader. You're right. You have, you know, Bs, Cs, and Ds that don't have a gun in the F-4. So, okay, we'll have all of those lumped together and simply mm-hmm. have Air Force or Navy cards, no difference between them. And then we'll have, you know, later models, F models that actually have guns on them, or sorry, E's that have guns on them. Um, and so it's it's a fascinating uh, thing, because we ran into that working through Fulcrum Leader, that there was a point where we said, we want different variants of the same airplane. Um, for us, it was a Soviet versus Warsaw Pact kind of thing. We could we could show how the Warsaw Pact had different variants and they had different capabilities. And as, as such, a MiG-23 in Russian service wasn't the same as a MiG-23 in Romanian service. Um, but traditionally, the leader games don't do that. Traditionally, right. they are the F-14, the right. A-6. So. Yeah, and, and like, I'll take the Stuka, you know, um, there were so many models of it, but I did. I just did the 87D and the 87G. And uh, Dan comes at me and he says, well, what about, it was the B in 1940 and, you know, this kind of stuff. I said, time out. We don't want to because we don't separate the pilot from the plane. So now if I do a B, I have to develop six pilots for that. And then I do the D, I have to do six pilots for that. And I have to do this, I have to do this. So all of these pilots for aircraft that nobody's going to fly. So the D is, an, is different enough from the G. The D, the difference between the B and the D was really nothing. But the D is Battle of Britain, that kind of stuff. And then the G is tank hunting with 37 right, millimeter guns front. hanging yep. under the wings. Yep. Exactly. So the two were enough. But like an HE-111, it's the same HE-111 throughout the war because, right. yes, there were different marks and everything else, but basically HE-111 was HE-111. Right. If I was doing a really, really crunchy scenario or really, really crunchy simulation, yeah, I'd, I'd go back and this this mark had, you know, 10 guns. This one had only nine, you know, this. But we're not doing That's not leaders. Right. We're not that crunchy. We do... Um, do the little bit of, of uh, what do they call it, um, leveling. You know, we just right. The right. Playability, and, playability and detail. But it's kind of fun because 
very few people said, hey, do you have this aircraft in zero liter? You know, because <laughs> obviously I had the zero, but right. that's like one of the few Japanese airplanes that people knew. But I'll tell you, Stuka liter, <laughs> do oh, you yeah. have the ME109G6 Mark 810? Uh, no. So it cracks me up because we run into that in Blood Red Skies in tournaments. Because most, mm-hmm. most games you go to and play their tournament, they want your model to specifically represent exactly the mark of Panzer, of Sherman, of whatever that you're playing. And our problem is those models don't exist for a lot of the stuff in one two hundred scale. Right. And so we tell people within a family of aircraft, you can proxy. If you show up with a 109, I don't care whether you play that as an E, an F, a K, a G, whatever. Knock yourself out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> show up with a 109. Exactly. <laughs> because, you, you, because there's there's so some, some small, super tiny details like F4, uh, F Wildcats are the same. Is it a is it a dash three? Is it a dash four? You know, what's the changed in armament? Did they add more guns? Did they remove guns? What's the net effect? Sometimes it's just not even worth arguing about. Well, exactly. I, in model railroading, we call them rivet counters. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, they can tell you exactly how many brake fans blades are on this model of locomotive, but that was only from this day to that day, and then they did this. And, you know, they can do all that. And it's funny because I've gone to see some of their layouts, and they will tell me all about their locomotive, and then I look at their layout, and they have Hot Wheel cars. Yeah. <laughs> on their layout. What the heck? You know, well, where did detail end? Yeah, that that literally is the same in in Blood Red Skies that it's people will will know specifically about certain aircraft and they'll have a very specifically detailed and I could show up and put a typhoon on the table and call it a tempest and they wouldn't know the difference. They're like, they oh, it's a plane with a big scoop exactly. in the front, you know. Yeah. Oh, it must <laughs> but they be, so. they know the ones yeah. the the ones that they're interested in. They know in super detail, but then they're like, yeah, there's some British planes I flew against, you know. So, yeah, you know, and like in zero liter, never had a question about names or anything like that. Stuka leader? Well, that's not a German name. What yeah, are you I, I, I saw those comments and I had to laugh. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, that was one of those where I'm like, wow, if that's people always surprise me with what they're going to get wrapped up about. They're, right. they're going to find something we didn't expect to get wrapped around the axle about. Um, exactly. It sometimes surprises me what that is. And I go, didn't see that one coming. Okay. No, no I mean, okay. It's a Danish name. You do know that those are really close, yeah. and, and there were Danish <laughs> Two countries people in right Germany. Here. <laughs> exactly. And then, well, finally, I just told the guy, yeah. my daughter's name, so it's in the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had, it's, the name is D-Writer, but I worked with Chi, and we got, we got a name for Zero Leader, so my daughters are also in Zero Leader with their names. <laughs> and nobody said anything about that. I, I yeah. don't get it, but... Uh, so obviously they're in Stuka leader, but you know, people are about that and they're like, well, are you going to have all of this and all of that? I just had somebody and I just, we're talking about doing it because you, you know, you have this airplane and you do six of them, right? You have six separate pilots. Um, but they all, they all have the exact same picture. They all have the exact same thing because you know, if it's an FW-190A, it's an FW-190A. We don't put ID right. numbers on them or anything. But this guy said, well, what are you doing with an uh, ME-262A1AU4 or something like that? It had a 50-millimeter cannon sticking out of yep. those. Looked that puppy up because I hadn't really heard about it. Well, that's because they only made two of them. And one survived yeah. the war. 
but then an American <laughs> crashed it on the way to the yep, death facility. Yep. So none of them really survived. But I'm like, I think he would really like it if I made just a card. You know, I got all the ME-262s. Five of them are ME-262As that are just fighter planes. But there's right. this one with this great big cannon ship <laughs> of the front with his name on it, right? And Vlad, my uh, graphic designer, well, first, then my artist, he's like, I can do that. And he, he generated the airplane super quick. And Vlad's like, well, it won't fit <laughs> because, you know, that can sticks out the length of the airplane again. But, so we're having a lot of fun with that. But that's, that's another thing, too. When Zero Leader came, when I was doing Zero Leader, I know I can't do graphics. So <laughs> Dan Burson and Kevin said, well, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. We'll do all that kind of stuff. And they did. I mean, you know, looks nice. Well, Stuka Leader, um, Vlad, he sent, me, uh, he, he sent me a message out of the blue. Never met the guy. He sent me a message saying, would you mind if I redid the zero liter um, campaign sheets to make them look cool? Right. Sure. Send me what you do and let's see. <laughs> so thinking I'm not going to see anything here or whatever, but he sent me one and I looked at it and I went, you're welcome to do the zero liter stuff, but not now. Cause you're going to do, <laughs> you know, and I, I basically, I hired him on the spot because uh, DVG has their own art department or whatever. But right. I'm like, number one, I want to get this when I want to get this, I want to get this done. And, and Vlad was at that point. He was in between he was a freelancer, so he had some time. So he was able to take my ideas and put them together, and I'd head back like in a day or whatever, and it was awesome. And started sending it to Kevin, and they fell in love with it. So Vlad and I have been having blast doing this. So we got all of this really cool, the targets and doing all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, let's do the airplane art for the, the airplanes, for the cards. And Dan and Kevin say, we've got it. And they sent it over, and I looked at it and went, uh, no, you know, they have this picture and it's like, well, that's the ME109G. No, that's an ME109F. It doesn't have yeah. any of the yeah. bulges because they called the G the D-bulge. Um, they didn't have any of that. So I said, no, if we're doing all of this with all that other stuff, we're not going to skimp on that. So I ended up, right. uh, Ben Rossens came aboard as the aircraft artist. And now we've got some gorgeous airplanes and everything nice. to go on. But I set up uh, on Facebook an artist type, just the two of them and me, and we talk about all this stuff, and we have so much fun, and they enjoy doing what we talk about, and then all of a poof, a card shows up, and it's exactly what I wanted. They're really, they're really a blast to work with. So yeah, that, that's um, good. That's the way to yeah. do it. Yeah, it's turning out pretty great. Well, good. Uh, so one of the things that I know people probably have questions about is there's been a lot of talk about changing the I'll call it the layout of missions so that you've got some more interceptor bomber shoot down kind of scenarios let's talk a little bit about that because you kind of broke mm -hmm. the mold a little bit uh, mm -hmm. on how how DVG leader air leader scenarios have to be deployed and the bandits fly and things like that what what did you do for those uh, intercept kind of scenarios yeah, um, I kind of cracked the ceiling in zero liter, how we're going to do this, and blew it up in Luka. And that, that was quite the conversation, because why are we doing this? Well, this for this. Oh, great, we can make it far more complicated. No, 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 no. Yeah, we're just going to do this real simple. So one of the things that I've, I 
have not really ever really liked about the leader series is especially World War II. You're going to intercept some bombers coming after your carrier in zero leader. You're going, you're going to intercept some bombers coming after your carrier. Those really nice bombers just sit in the center there and egg for you. And then you go in there and you play with them and you fly away. Yep. Uh, same with when you do the dogfight. They just fill nicely there and wait for you to come in and then away you go. So what I've done is I've changed it so now with a bomber intercept, you start on the east side of the map board, they start on the west side of the map board, and the escort fighters start in between you, and now you're, you've got a battle going on virtually all over the, the map board. Now, admittedly, when you're, in, you're intercepting them with 109s and 190s, it pretty much starts in the center, although there is a little tactical thing that I found out that gives you a little bit of an advantage, but I'm not going to say what it is. Um, so you pretty start in the center where that stuff is too, but it gives you this feeling of the bombers are coming through your area and you have to hit them before they exit that area, right? Right. So that makes it very, very cool. And when I play tested it with my jet aircraft, ME-262s, which are brand new World War II, um, they can move two spaces. Right. So right. suddenly the bombers are just happily coming onto the board and boom, there's jets yeah. messing with mines. And, you know, there's different things you can do with the jet because it's so much faster than a Mustang. Oh, sure, that Mustang got on my tail. I'm gone. The Mustang's shooting at air. And you can you can do that in this game because things are moving. You're not just sitting in that center. Area. Right. So, well, and I, I think that adds more tension because, quite honestly, when when you treat the air targets as if they were like ground targets, and they just sit in the center. There's no, you don't feel the tension, even though you're watching the the turn counter tick down. You don't mm-hmm. feel the tension that they're truly getting closer and closer to the target. It may right. still be that you only have five turns till they leave the board, and that's standard. But you don't. Um, you feel that much more when the bombers progress across the board uh, than just sitting in the middle. You still have five turns to kill them. Um, right. And, and it, it does also allow for some more bandit, some depth to the bandits. And, and yeah, allow you can do some a, more, a uh, few different craziness. things. Um, like in the bomber intercept, there's a spawning bandit, but it spawns wherever the bombers are. So it doesn't right. just spawn in there. So you never know. Yeah, I mean, you know where the bombers are, so you you know it's there. There's tactical things that the first time you play it, you may not realize that during your move, you have to move to the spot the bombers are going to, because otherwise right. they're going to get away from you. And it, so there's all these little little nuances that just make it, in my mind, cool. And don't so mind the I, cat walking right through our podcast. Uh, I actually, I, I shut my door so my cat doesn't come in, because otherwise I was going to I was right going to try that. I was going to try it, but... This one, no manners, no manners no. at all. So, so all of our viewers be welcome for the cat butt they just got. <laughs> is, that, is that a girl? Or no, is that a it's boy? a guy. It's a he, boy. He's he's really good looking. I like that. Mine <laughs> he's is a good black. cat when he wants to be. Yeah. He uh, he has some manners, not a whole lot, obviously. Oh, <laughs> but cat, anyway, so oh, sorry. Go ahead. My cat loves slash hates when I'm down in my office because she loves because she comes down here and plays with me. She hates because I'm paying attention to what's going on on the screen, not her. So I taught her because I was playtesting. So I'm using my dice tower, dropping my dice. Well, all of a sudden she started the dice and just dropping them back in the tray. She didn't Smart put them cat. in the dice tower. I tried yeah. to get her to put them in the dice tower. Yeah, she wouldn't exactly. do it. She would just drop them in the tray. And it's really funny. One day she came down here and she's playing with my dice, picks one up and runs out of my office. Because she knows I'll play chaser, you yeah, know? Yeah. So I go running to chase her. She goes up the stairs. I go up the stairs, and she puts it down right next to her empty food bowl. 
<laughs> settle <laughs> in. Like, you know. I'm going to get you up here, humans. Put yeah, food exactly. in my bowl. Look, jerk, I, I'm out of food. I left. <laughs> yeah, she took my stupid dice to do it. But so, yeah, cats are wonderful. I, I, but my yeah, door yeah. is shut, so she doesn't come in and introduce herself. Oh, I, I would have oh, them well. being being concerned and crying at the door. They'd be wondering what was yeah. going on if I'd locked them yeah. up. But anyway, well, my wife, that. my wife are upstairs. So <laughs> that's my intercept missions. Right. Okay, but then I turned it around because, especially early war, the Germans were doing a lot of bomber escort. Right. So now I've got a bomber escort rule. So what happens is, um, you have generic counters that are bombers from a different squadron, yours, so it's not like you're putting your bombers out there. You have bombers that start in the east pre-approach, and you have to escort them all the way across the board. And there's interceptors all over and more interceptors coming from the west edge and everything else. You start with very few victory points on the target, but you get a victory point for every bomber you successfully escort (laughs) over to the far side. You lose a victory point for every bomber you scattered along the tactical display on the way there, Right. And another cool thing is because with bandits, they have the, the three numbers, and the middle number is damaged. Well, these are generic airplanes. So my rule is that if you're escorting a bomber and it gets damaged by a, a fighter, it has to turn around and try and get off the east side of the map board. And if it makes it, you don't win or lose. You don't get any victory points. Yeah. You, don't, you don't lose one. At least it gets off the board. So it's really kind of a cool, it's a kind of a cool mission. And again, gives you the idea of something moving. So it's a it's a new mission. Um, yeah, that's the, that'll be interesting for me to play because we we have a similar intercept uh, mechanic in one of the expansions uh, for mm-hmm. Fulcrum, and this mm-hmm. once again is whenever Fulcrum comes back. Um, <laughs> but uh, but with that one, it's done a little bit differently. But it's it's as I always jokingly call it, they will come in waves. That your yep. bandits do spawn in the same area, but there's there's a specific order based on what's on the card of what spawns. So because obviously we need longer ranges, we're shooting air to air we have to have some standoff um, right. but you you start with your defended area and you have to race out there as quickly as you can and keep these enemies that are spawning at the edge of the board from from rolling you back to where you're now you can't get all of them as they push yeah. uh through your uh through your defenses yeah, you, got, you so. got to stay on the offensive you can't you can't let them get on the defensive yeah we, we we're not sure about it yet we may introduce friendly sites in the uh, in the Soviet uh, interceptor one, well, just simply because there's some long-range SAMs that that are a fact if you're, or they're a factor if you're uh, if you're trying to hit bombers. Was Ken talking to you about that? Because he brought that up at my game. You know, when yeah. I told him about bomber intercept and doing, oh, let's have friendly sites. Which originally I'm thinking, well, that's kind of cool because, you know, flak is relatively indiscriminate. These guys, I'm not 100% sure they even saw what they were shooting at. They just kind of fired <laughs> things up there and hoped it blew yep. something up. So getting hit by friendly fat flak is a is a situation, but for the most part, the fighters operated in different zones than the the flak did, and it just didn't. Because maybe if I had until July before it became kick, Kickstarter, yeah. <laughs> I might have had time to fine tune that rule and actually get it in there. Yeah. But we don't have time for that. To, Our, to ours do was all of the set very that's necessary. very specifically for a couple things. So when we when we play tested the sites, the neat part was. Just like the Soviets, where they're chasing the U-2, shot down their own MiG, um, mm-hmm. the, by default, they won't shoot you guys if you're not in the same area as, right. a, as, a, uh, as, a, as a bandit. So 
it forced the Soviet players by default to stay at air-to-air missile ranges and not dogfight with the same target they want to shoot SAMs at. Um, but we, we, we did debate because we didn't settle on the rule before we, uh, before we shelved Fulcrum Leader for a while. Um, but we were trying to figure out what the random generation for that was. Does, does the site randomly shoot any one of the targets in an area that, mm-hmm. that you choose to engage with it? So mm-hmm. hope you only have one fighter and maybe four bandits. <laughs> the odds are in your yeah, favor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the odds are in your favor. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so we never we didn't settle on what the mechanic was there, but it was one of those points where we realized um, the friendly fire has to be there and it has to have a useful purpose in the game. Which, in in our case, because we had longer range weapons, is allowing forcing this the 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 intercepting player to use air to air missiles and to stay right. uh, stay out of the dogfight. Yep, and I, I and I agree, but it, you know, again, I didn't have and. Maybe because it turns out I'm a lot further along than I thought I was, thanks to everybody being super available and going for it. But um, I have a campaign, um, Operation Bowden Plot, which was the the Adolf Gallen wanted to gather all of these fighters for what he called the big blow. Um, He wanted to have like a thousand or three thousand fighters to throw at the Americans on one mission and just beat the crap out of them. Well, he was excited because Garing and all these guys were, yeah, we're okay. We're going to do a big blow. Turns out they were gathering all these fighters to do ground attack to support the Battle of the Bulge. But the weather was too terrible, so it didn't come off until January 1st, 1945. And all of these airplanes, low level, trying to bomb airfields and doing all that kind of stuff, it's, it's a fun campaign. But in that game, in that real life, they lost an awful lot of planes to, um, shall we just say, terrain conflicts. Yep, uh, yep. But they also lost an awful lot. They didn't tell the Germans that, hey, a lot of your airplanes are going to be flying over. So all of a sudden, these guys saw airplanes low level. So yep. the Germans Engaged lost them. an yep. awful lot to friend liar on that. So that especially is one campaign where that would be really, really helpful. But again, it just doesn't look like I'm going to be able to put that together. <laughs> Sounds like the expansion for Stugalita, the next big, you know, post post Kickstarter expansion <laughs> series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, just, I mean, just please have... play test them more than they did the Hornet Leader expansion series. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, and it, that's oh. uh, that's. I, I, we've been, you know, play testing, and there's um, a guy who is zero leader. You know, he's he sent me a message once, and I replied. He's like, "You're replying to me? Well, of course, you sent me a message." So. We started talking, and he's been actually playtesting some of my ideas. I said, okay, try this. Use the zero-liter right. stuff, but just try this one. Oh, that's a great idea. And we've been working one of the really strong points. I don't know if, you, if you've if you got it or what you call it. In Corsair Leader, it was called Gung Ho. Zero-liter, right. it was called Samurai Spirit. It's basically uh, flip a card and they're destroyed, you know, because you right. automatic 10 and doing all this kind of stuff. Well, I didn't want it that strong for Stuka Leader. I wanted to narrow it down because, quite honestly, it makes the game too easy. You can have a um, green pilot that has Samurai Spirit go up against the greatest veteran uh, P-51 Mustang and flip Samurai Spirit on him and boom, you know, the guy's yeah. dead. Ben, ben and I have joked about that because like, if you want to cheat, just cheat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so I want to make it a lot less frequent in Stuka Leader so that you actually do have to dogfight and do all that kind of stuff. So that's one of the things he was playtesting for me and said, yeah, we've got this idea works and we're going to do that. And he's been playtesting the inter- bomber intercepts and doing all that kind of stuff. 
just somebody who doesn't know any of the math, doesn't know any of the science inside, I'm like, okay, here are the rules, play it. And he's, he's been having a right. blast doing it. So, yeah, there's there these will be, I'm not saying that there won't be mistakes because God knows there will be, but... Uh, these are these are all workable. There's nothing here that isn't that is weird. I mean, when people the jets are very interesting, just because they move two spaces, right. so you have to, you have to. It requires a little bit different tactical thing, and I haven't decided yet. But honestly, because of the speed of the jets, you know how you maneuver against a box. Um, I'm I'm really really close to putting the rule in that a jet automatically tails a bomber. Because right, it was right. so fast, the bombers couldn't do anything about it. And they found out, you know, early war, you attack the American bombers head on. Because that was their weak spot. Right. With the, the uh, 262, you were too fast. You couldn't attack head on. So you had right. to come around the back. Because even then, your speed was 300 miles an hour, which doesn't give you a lot of time to fire. So I'm, I'm thinking about rules like that, but... Again, that's because I've been playtesting, and it's like, well, well it's and, and quite frankly, that that's always the uh, the well, say the the speed bump or the hurdle you have to get over that when you're done early, in a sense, you're mm-hmm. you're ahead of of schedule, and you say, well, here's all these really cool things I could add, and you have to step back and go, is it making everything more complex, and is that actually adding flavor, or am I just adding Chrome for Chrome's sake, you know? And, <laughs> and be be careful about that at times, because because I know every every game designer goes through that. We're like at the last minute, they're like I thought of three other good ideas, and maybe maybe they need to be play tested and released in the yep. next expansion. <laughs> well, it, it, because we um, we're reprinting Zero Leader, um, and they they've got Spruance Leader and everything else ready to go to the printer. So he said, "Well, get your changes done." and get it to me. He wanted it Monday. Well, I got them done tonight. But last night, I'm lying in bed, and I'm like, okay, I got to do this. This is, ooh, this is a cool idea. I got out of bed at 1.30 <laughs> in the morning, went into the kitchen, grabbed paper and pen, and wrote down all the ideas I was having at 1.30 in the morning rather than sleeping um, to add to Stuka Leader and uh, bounced them off Kevin today. One of the, one of the two is actually we're going to do it. It's, it's a really Good. it's a really cool super simple rule. The other one, I don't know. So the one we're gonna do um, with my guy who was playtesting it for me, he said uh, that in this one battle he knew that there was a plus three Mustang coming. It was it had started away from him, so he had like a turn to pre- to prepare for it. So he didn't use his samurai ships to wipe out the little planes. He saved it until that right. one came, and I thought. I want to make it so you can't do that. Yeah. So yeah. in a leader game, you put your sights down, then you pick your airplane so that there's a little bit of fog of war. You don't know exactly where those bandits are going to come in. So this idea I came up with last night was, you know, when you draw your bandits, now you're going to have a counter that says either bandit or no bandit. And if it says bandit, and we can do this in World War II because there's no range for bandits. You, right. I, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't work on modern because you have ranges right yeah, you could yeah. adapt it or whatever but right now because it has ranges and radars and everything else tell you what you're looking at and where it is and in world right. war ii the mark one eyeball was the only way you found <laughs> the enemy um yeah. so what i what I, you're doing is okay it says four or one um bandit in each approach so you grab four of these either bandit or no bandit and they'll be at the same percentage as a regular thing and if it says bandit, you set that there. And if it says no bandit, you put it back in the cup. 
So now as a player, you see there's four bandits out there, but you have no idea what they are, and you have no right. idea how strong they are. So <laughs> you don't know until you actually engage them. So now you move in, and you've got a rookie, and you've got a veteran, and you've got this legendary. Well, normally you would take your legendary, put it on the strongest enemy plane, and away you go, right? Well, now, okay, I'm going to engage this one. Now that you've engaged it, now you draw the actual bandit, and you may find right. out that you're running into a legendary with your rookie <laughs> and doing whatever. So it adds a really cool fog of war effect and not in A, what you're fighting, or B, how good the pilot behind the column right. is on that airplane with really no extra work. Yeah, you make an extra chip draw, but right. I, I really think the idea of it is, is cool. So it was one of those things I came up with at one thirty in the morning when I really shouldn't be adding anything else to this game. But that yeah. one, I thought, that's a really cool ad, and it's super simple to add to it and everything else. And, you know, Kevin agreed to it. So that's one thing that's going to be in Good. the I'm glad uh, he agreed to that because then it'll be, it'll be easy to put something similar into uh, into Fulcrum because they're, right. the, we, we had a, a similar chit, not done the exact same way, but for uh, – aircraft that were as we call them white air so when you're shooting an mm -hmm. intercept you are chasing the rc-135 rivet joint but you have two bandit counters uh you hopefully don't shoot your air-to-air -air missile you hopefully join up on it and flip it over and realize that it might actually be civilian airline or un flight you know any one of those right. those things that do what you should do even as the big bad russian you need to intercept it and find out what you're going to shoot first exactly. uh, so yeah there's, there's, there's definitely i think there's a way you can do things like that that's pretty cool yep and the only, I mean, the only reason, I mean, it works super simple for me because there's no range, you know, nothing has range except right. rockets that are fired at bombers, not at interceptors. In your case, yeah, if you, you can do that so that you have to basically query them and find out what yeah. you are yeah. and how you do that. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. But it also, thinking ahead, those are going to be great rules, great starting points for night fighting uh, yeah. games and that kind of stuff, which I was cool. going to have as a expansion for Stuka leader and got talked into, Oh no, we'll make that a complete game. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so all of a sudden, another one's on my, on my thing, but yeah. So having that hidden working, that hidden thing. And again, it was the middle of the night. I completely did it in my head while I was laying in bed and had to write that down because I, I won't remember what I thought. And yeah. uh, it turned out it turned out to be a pretty cool idea. So we'll we'll see how that goes. But that looks like it's going to make it. The other idea I talked with some people about it and sounded like a really cool idea. But, <laughs> but everyone said was, no, don't do that. Yeah, it's just it's putsy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whenever I'm doing any of these things, I want to add I want to add ABC. My first question is why? Yeah. What will add to the game? Will it add? A player decision is the number one thing. If it adds a player decision, I like it because right. that's what I want to do. I want to. I don't want to be a dice chucker. I want people to say, "Okay, I, should I do this or should I do that?" You know that type of thing. Right. Um, so that's my very first question, and I wasn't going to ask myself that last night, but I did <laughs> today. And I and I my friend asked me that. He said, "Why?" And I said, "Well, I like tactile. I like it." And basically, what it was is a counter rather than the that says you're attacking a warehouse. You would have a counter for a warehouse. Right. And I thought, well, this is a really cool idea, but he's lying. And I thought, hmm, I don't know. I guess it's, yeah. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Seemed so like a good idea at the time. Stick to yeah, that. Yeah, I'd probably, although um, 
for the tank hunting Stuka with the 37 millimeter, I'm having, we're having T-34 counters, top-down T-34 counters, <laughs> and they're going to be spread around the tactical display, and you have to go and go after them right, and hit them, right. which is, is really a cool thing. Rather than all five of them, again, yep. sitting in the center waiting for you, they're going to be out on different things, and each of them might have a site guarding them and doing yeah. all this kind of stuff. So it's going to be a real interesting tank hunt kind of thing. So those are just the... the boundary pushing things that i'm that i'm doing in stuka that's that, cool. that, that sounds uh, like it'll I'm be pretty fun. excited about yeah so so what are some of the other big moving parts that you brought over from zero that are kind of new to the the previous leader series games i'm assuming a lot of the maintenance action piece and things that you still had in zero that's also going to make it into stuka well kind of but not um okay. the maneuver the robustness and all that kind of stuff did Zero Leader, the Japanese were pretty uh, unique in the fact that they didn't have they didn't have the maintenance infrastructure. They didn't have the parts. Right. They didn't have the tools. They didn't have your kind of stuff. So in the Japanese, an airplane could have a rather small defect, and it just sat. It never got fixed because they never got the parts. Right. They didn't have a place to fix it or anything. The Germans really had no problem with that. They were capable of maintenance. Um, they were able to fix those types of things and everything else. So I kind of replaced the mechanic mechanic with a medic right. mechanic, okay. which now which now meant I had to add wounds. Um, <laughs> in zero liter, what worked real well with the maintenance mechanic was minor damage. You right. know, it was another year that okay, your airplane's kind of hurt, but not real hurt, so you got to assign somebody to fix it. Well, in Stuka leader. Your pilot's kind of hurt, but not really hurt. So you got to find a medic to fix it. Um, yeah. And that that is kind of a cool thing. Where um, now with those three numbers that a site has, that are, you know, stress, damage, destroy. Yep. My my original thought was just like minor damage. If you hit the highest number in damage but not destroy, you could conceivably get a pilot. We decided to make it happen a little more often. Okay. The thinking is, um, I'm sure you've seen the movie Flight of the Intruder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when he's flying back to the, the carrier at low altitude and this peasant farmer with a rusty old yeah. <laughs> whatever, a one in a million shot kills his navigator yep. or whatever. Yep. yep. So in Stuka Leader, you're running into these aircraft and what should just be a stress may actually be a, a wound. Where okay. now you you have to shake you have to shake for a safe landing, because like the one wound is a head wound, so you've got you know you can picture you've got in your eyes and stuff, so landing isn't super easy, and then you may you miss a day, but a mechanic yeah. uh, a medic can you know repair you and send you back there that day. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but when you get a damage result, now it's a little more serious wounds. You could right. conceivably lose miss two days. Um, you could, you know, and you have to roll for a safe landing and you can miss two days or whatever. Um, so that's kind of a, it, it's kind of the mechanic, but a medic. Uh, right. So it, it's something that can take a really good pilot of yours out of the game for a, uh, a day, be, be something you can't control. You know, he got, right. he got wounded. And if you only have one medic, two of your pilots come back wounded, well, one of you is going to set. You know, that's all yeah, you can do to yeah. it. 
And if nobody gets wounded, the medic can relieve Sturt with one guy. Basically, okay. give him some medicinal, medicinal use. And, <laughs> and, a, and he's a happy camper. So, um, so that mechanic is there, but not. It's it's kind of a kind of a changed mechanic. Right. Um, right. I added a bailout mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, in zero liter, again, the Japanese people always thought that that was a uh, a myth, but it wasn't. They flew without parachutes because they made them uncomfortable in the cockpits. Later war, they did right. them, but in, in, especially in early war, they didn't have parachutes or anything like that. Well, the Germans obviously always did. So <laughs> right. now you have the opportunity, if your airplane is damaged or if your airplane is destroyed, you have the opportunity to bail out so that you can survive and come back. Um, and that that's kind of a, a really cool thing because... Uh, you know, your damaged aircraft or your aircraft is destroyed, but your pilot still lives. That's right. that's really great. Uh, there are situations where well, if you fail, then you're you're KIA. So the airplane's yeah. destroyed, and you're KIA. And same with a safe landing. If you fail it, the the plane's destroyed, and you're KIA. Right. But um, but at least you have the option now to survive a destroyed airplane. You know, your airplane technically is gone, but you're not. And then you just get another. ME-109 and go back after those blasted British. <laughs> so, uh, those are, you know, it's just a cool, again, super simple mechanic. If right. you shake and the the sight or the bandit does a stress result, what used to be a stress result, you'll reach into a cup that has counters. One side is red, one side is yellow. Well, if it's a stress result, you read the yellow result. And that's what happens, you know, and you set that on your airplane. Um, if it's a damaged result now you pull out the red result and the red right. result i think has two or three opportunities to kill you um the yellow one only has one opportunity to kill you the yellow one is a lot of uh no effects which means you didn't even get a, the one stress you should have gotten right. you didn't get any yeah. and there's a couple things <laughs> like they shot your favorite scarf now you're ticked <laughs> so you actually lose a stress because you're so mad you know and that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff so it, it can be a it can actually be a positive to have a stress result. Um, so it's all it's, <laughs> it's I think it's really really neat and it's again no action. Uh, it's not like okay I got to keep track on this chart and do all this right. stuff. Let's draw a chit and go okay you know this happened. Um, That's so good. and, and it's, again it's more representative of uh, the Germans. Their airplanes were a little more robust and all that kind of stuff. So you've had the opportunity. You could suffer a wound or you could do something like that and come back and fix you. And they can fix your airplane super quick and everything else. But now Stuka also has the limiting factor of fuel. Right. Um, Early war, there should be plenty of fuel that you can run the number of aircraft that should be run on every mission. You should be able to run those and not run. Okay? Not so much in 44 and 45. Because now... I don't want to give away the exact numbers, but instead of having <laughs> 10 barrels per day to yep. use on your missions, you only have four. Right. And suddenly now you have to decide, okay, I've got... You have this, a constrained situation you're in. Exactly. I've got a six-airplane mission that gives me a lot of victory points, but if I do that, now I've only got three barrels of fuel left, which means tomorrow I can only fly a three mission of that kind of stuff, which was, that was the problem they faced in the end of the war. And, uh, you know, so just like the Japanese had problems with maintenance and doing all that kind of stuff late war, in Stuka leader, you're going to run into fuel issues. And, Interesting. Uh, that's cool. Yep. That's, and it, that's, that's it, you know, like a lot of things, I mean, I hate, I hate to be dismissive. It's, 
at the end of the day, it's just another resource to manage, but it's Correct. a resource that has, that has flavor to it that, you know, at least yeah. makes you think about the history a little bit and reflects some unique problems uh, that they right. would have had. But yes, it is just another resource to manage. <laughs> and that's exactly it. It's a, and it's, it's simple. Okay. Yeah. So you don't need you don't need a spreadsheet to figure it all out. Right. I did I did that. <laughs> you you don't need a spreadsheet to figure it all out or anything like that, but yet now you've got to make a decision. And you've got you in the back of your head, do I use the fuel to do this or do I use the fuel to do that? And right. we're gonna change normally um, there's a red line through the center of your map and said it's one stress here, two stress there. Yep. Right? Well, Vlad came up with this fantastic idea and I think it's amazing the target numbers are going to be color-coded. Right. And if you get a target that's green, it doesn't cost you any fuel, and it doesn't give you any stress. Right. A yellow one will cost you one fuel, one stress, and a red target is two fuel, two stress. That's cool. So the cool thing is you can have, like in Poland, when you're attacking Warsaw, the targets there are going to be more stressful. Right. And sure, there's not there's not a lot of distance between, but you're going to use more fuel because you're maneuvering, you're doing that kind of stuff. So if you're attacking a target in Warsaw, you're going to suffer more stress than you would if you're just attacking a target along some river or something. So you might have, yeah. you know, close targets, there's zero stress, zero fuel, and there you go. Well, so well then, then you, you don't end up with the, the bizarre things like an IAF leader where you could have an airfield that was a very hard-to-hit target that was not in the regular battle area. It was so deep that literally most of the aircraft you had couldn't even get there. So you're like, I have now drawn a target that I need to take, you know, seven aircraft to, but I can't get seven aircraft to that with the weight points I need to destroy it, you know? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yep. always yeah, one of those so, interesting little, little cycles that well, was, that was tough course, in those games. Yeah, there's, there's a few of them that you, when you, every once in a while it happens. And you know, in my playtesting, I'm like, okay, that I made that target too strong. I can't kill it. Well, um, we we found just, and it always is one of those doctrinal things. Unlike Hornet Leader, where it's very much a long range kind of strikes. It's it's the Navy unilaterally acting off of a carrier. Uh, for all of the Warsaw Pact and Soviet stuff, for the majority of the aircraft in the game, they're they were never intended to go far. They're either right. point defense fighters or they're very close range strike aircraft. And so as Ben and I talked through some of the, the campaigns, uh, some of them literally have zero weight points and then two zones that are minus one weight point because all we're doing is we're, we're changing the stress. So it's a zero no, and plus with no stress, uh, minus one weight point with one stress and minus one weight point with two stresses because you mm-hmm. can't penalize the Soviets too much or else they don't take any orders to target. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> they just go out there. And, and it, but it makes sense you know, when you think yeah. about it because – uh, and the Germans were the exact same way in World War II. They did not have strategic. They didn't have right. strategic exactly. bombers. They had, they had what worked really good for their battles in Europe. The Battle of Britain, the ME-109, if they went anywhere north or west of London, 109 yeah. could not escort them. And yeah. if, if they even stayed east of London, the 109s could just get there. Right. So like in the Battle of Britain, we're going to have a red line. No ME-109s can escort a target over here. Right. So that's yeah. going to be fuel and stress. That's, I'm glad you're doing that. I know it makes things more complex, but one that's always been one of the problems is that there's there's rarely a feel of, I can't get there. Yet in aviation, mm-hmm. there's always some red line that I just can't influence targets because it is too far. It is, right. it is I can't carry enough ordnance load that far without refueling or, you know, without landing somewhere. Um, it's, 
it's an interesting problem that I don't think has been done well yet in the leader series games. Yeah. I know the Cold War leader series, we've, we've batted around some ideas about uh, squadron tankers and stuff like that, and I don't like any of those. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if, if any of the things that you incorporate, that if the community likes it enough and goes, yeah, that's not too complex. It's obvious. It's a red line on a map. No 109s past this line. Um, that it, it allows people to, to kind of have a, a more historical flavor to the force mixes. Because I'll be honest, the thing that I've argued the most with Dan and Kevin um, and, and generally anyone with these games is I will come to a point where I don't fly a historical force mix. It just doesn't make sense to do what people really did. And right. and sometimes I have to ask and I go, is that what we want? Do we want, you know, F-18Cs flying all the way to the north side of Baghdad? You know, that's not what they did, you know? So it's <laughs> it's one of those kind of discussions that you, mm-hmm. you have to sit there and say, I know there's some things we do just for the game, but we want people to walk away and go, that's that kind of sounds yeah, about right. It's makes, not too far off I mean, the historical, yeah. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, without them having to have a spreadsheet and figuring out which airplanes can go where and go what, a, a simple a simple little line or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, like I always tell Dan and and Kevin when we when I used to sell cars, our mantra was, you don't give the customer the benefit of your knowledge. In other words, they don't really care how the sausage is made. <laughs> they just want to see yes. the sausage, right? Yeah. So yeah. we look at it and go, well, that's you know, that's kind of ticky tacky. Well, it is to us because we know what, what it means and what it does. But the player just says, Oh, I can't take one Oh nines there. Okay. I won't. Yeah. You know, and, and Oh, it's, it's extra fuel to go that distance. Well, that makes sense. Cool. But meanwhile, we're going, does that make any sense? And do we work it back? And do we do all of this kind of stuff? Just keep it simple. And the, so that the player doesn't feel like you're doing this to them. But right. you're doing this to them. You're making them go, oh, crap. That, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. I can't do this. I, you know, uh, it's, it's a subtle, it's a nuance. It's, it's the, to, to there's make a the moment there, and I'll, and I'll talk about this, even though we haven't play tested it enough to know if we like it or not in Fulcrum. In the Northern Edge uh, Norway missions, there's a lot of missions that you would hit with strategic bombers used tactically. But the problem is, how do you do that in a game where the targets are all built to be hit by four fighter airplanes? And so <laughs> we we literally had to go through and create a whole series of targets that would get shuffled into the deck. And if the player had used their bombers and, you know, those guys were out for the next turn for stress or for whatever reason, they flipped this one over and it was actually a bomber target, then... Fighters didn't damage it. You can nope. send as many fighters as you want. It, it, this is a target that has to be engaged by bombers. And so um, we, we'll see if that one makes the final cut. Uh, our fear is that just the law of averages means I'm going to use the bombers or I'm going to hold on to the bombers and lose the game and never get to the to drawing the bomber target till the very right. end. And, right. and that'll only oh. frustrate people instead of instead of making them feel like they're making a, a smart decision. So Correct. we'll, we'll but, see how that all works out. And, and it's cool because they do have to make the decision. Well, and, and this is this is a more important point that I, th- I think I want to kind of pick your brain about for a second is um, these are solo games. If right. you lose a solo game and you flip the table, 
you're probably a little too much wrapped up in the game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it, it should be frustrating. You should go, I can't believe I lost that game. What the mm-hmm. heck happened? If you, if you either A, blame the dice, or B, flip the table in a solo game, you probably should go take up golf. <laughs> right, right. You shouldn't, yeah, be, you, shouldn't be doing solo war yeah. games. Um, you, you need to go there, out a beer and watch, watch TV. Yeah. Was there anything as you were playtesting Stuka where you guys just ran into that super frustrating moment where you had either over-engineered it or made it too difficult and, and it just, it was kind of out of the blue because everything made sense. And then you hit that one edge scenario where you're like, I have chosen the four aircraft that cannot win this campaign no mm-hmm. matter what, you know, because mm-hmm. there's a couple of those in IAF that they are authorized aircraft mixes, but you'll never win the scenario. It's just the law of averages says you will get targets that are too hard um, and, and you just can't do it. And that, that's frustrating as a player, but sometimes you go, all right, whatever, it's a solo game. I'll, yep. I'll play a video game. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, for the mo- for, I, I haven't really run into a, the campaign where the assigned aircraft are not going to get the job done. If you don't buy the assigned aircraft, like if you don't buy an E-111 or a Ju-88 and you have to go after a ship, well, good luck. You don't have anything to drop a torpedo, you know? Exactly, so, exactly. If you don't have the right mix, and that's the very first the very first time I played Corsair Leader, I played the Wake Island scenario, and I was 100% sure that the only thing my F4F Wildcats had to do was shoot down zeros, so I picked four <laughs> really good air-to-air guys, and my yeah. first target was a cruiser. Yeah. My guys yeah. couldn't hit the ocean with a 250-pound yeah. bomb. <laughs> I lost the game on the first the first yeah. mission because I did the wrong mix, you know, right. and if you write mix, it'll all work. But um, I didn't run into anything like that. But when I was doing the bomber intercept rules, again, I have this really simple idea. This is kind of cool. Let's send it out. Oh, well, let's add this. And all of a sudden we had a hex sheet where, you know, the bombers are going to appear here and the fighters <laughs> can appear here and you're moving on a hex sheet. And I'm like, this, yeah, is, this not is not the leader say, yeah. yeah, yeah. We are Avalon Hill. We're not going to that crunchy. We, <laughs> exactly. We've, we've got to back it down. So I ran into that in playtesting and, and some different, like we came up with it, and it actually works out pretty good. But when it first came out, the idea wasn't good, was um, a bomber attack sheet. You know, we've got right. the dogfight sheet. Well, a bomber attack sheet was the exact same thing, only completely different. Um, it has, you, you choose the type of a, a pass you're going to make at your bomber and, and doing this particular type of pass may give you a, a, an advantage or that kind of stuff against bombers. Well, I, I found out real quick when I started to play it, okay, we can't do this with gunner bombers because you, you have to know what position you're in so the gunner can fire back at you or he can't. So then we made it just turreted bombers where they can fire at you no matter which way you come at them. <laughs> right. So, you know, playing around with it, it actually works pretty cool. It's just an, another decision that you can make. And if you don't want to use it, God bless. Just play with the yeah. regular <laughs> dogfight. But it's it's like, okay, I'm going to do a slanting pass at this bomber. And you, you, you sometimes the bad roll, the bomber gets a, an advantage, and sometimes yep. you do. You know? yep. So it's just a cool little thing. But, yeah, ran into a bunch of, it's a great idea. It doesn't work, but it's a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. You know? <laughs> it, would, it would be Lots so of those cool. on the cutting room floor, yeah. Yes, yeah, a lot of those are sitting there. So, yeah, in, in the, the, the targets and everything else that we've got, 
It's like, okay, I I haven't run into a campaign where you don't have the airplanes available to you to win. But right. you know, if you don't buy the right mix, you're you're not going to you know, yeah. because you you're gonna have something where you need something that carries a lot of bombs, like you know, an H E one eleven or something like that, you're gonna run into that situation where you need it or you know, in Canal Conf, when you are actually going out trying to sink ships, you're <laughs> yeah. going to need something that carries a torpedo. And, yep. you know, if you go out there all with Stukas and fighters, you're going to, yeah, you could kill a ship with a, with bombs, but it, you'd rather have a torpedo, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, <laughs> like in the, and in the expansions and very late war, um, now you get the radio-controlled bombs, the Fritzes and yep. that kind of stuff. But... You have to have a specific type of bomber. Like in Zero Leader, you had to have a Betty in order to carry an Oka. If you didn't okay, have a Betty, yeah. you couldn't buy an Oka. In Stuka Leader, if you don't have a DO-217 or if you don't have an HU-111, you can't fly the Fritz or uh, I can't remember what the other one was called, you know, these radio-controlled bombs. So it's all a mix. I, I haven't run into a campaign... I've run into campaigns that I don't win, but I haven't run into a campaign, <laughs> campaign that I can't win. Okay, does yeah. that make sense? Yep. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm very very happy about that. But you know, I I think it's more difficult for in like in your situation when you're dealing with more modern logistics and doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, you can run into a situation where you just cannot get enough firepower there. Well, and, and you know, fortunately, an IAF leader that's. You know, that's where they went in and put different numbers of hit points for the targets and things based on the year so that mm-hmm. it was obvious that I'm flying, uh, you know, some some very old mysteries and things like that that don't have a heavy ordnance load versus, OK, I'm flying later on with an F4 Phantom. I can carry enough ordnance to do more hits to the target. So they they scaled it well that way. And I think that right. that sometimes that works. Sometimes it's just tough because people choose a different aircraft mix than than what most of the designers or most of the play testers or, or most of the people involved yeah. in the game. Um, and, and the, the reality is you can't make the game always a challenge. There's, there's only certain things you can target it to. And so the outlier cases, it's either going to be a walk in the park or it's going to be, you know, nearly and impossible. And that's, yep. yeah, that's just, that's kind of how it goes with, with at least the way the leader series games model the, the effects yeah. and everything. Yeah. And for the most part, I mean, like with, thanks to Gung-Ho and Samurai Spirit and everything else, those games, uh, especially Corsair Leader, is an easy game, okay? You can win Corsair Leader pretty easily. Um, Zero Leader, up until about 43, it's it's not even a it's not even a thing. You know, if you lose a you lose an airplane, you probably should just cut your head off and walk away. You, you shouldn't lose an airplane. Between, it's the dice, man. You know, it's the dice that did it to me. The, yeah, yeah, blame it all on the dice. Well, the emperor is not impressed. So yeah, um, exactly. But later war, it's a little more difficult. You know that kind of thing. So my goal in Stuka Leader is to not make it just so simple that I can just. Flip a flip a Horido, we're calling it instead of Samurai Spirit. Right. I, I don't want to be able to just flip a Horido and boom, this uh, veteran or legendary bandit is gone. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the one of the things one of the really tough decisions we were working on is how do we we realized that that trait is way too strong. <laughs> so because, so how do you bring it back without totally nerfing it? 
Correct. And that, and, and that's like, okay, Dan says, well, you can't, you can't change it because it's been this way. And I, well, I appreciate it's been this way, but it's been wrong. <laughs> so we yeah. need to do this. Well, if you lower the abilities, then you need to lower the cost. I said, no, 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 you're not understanding. It costs, it has this much goodness. You know what I'm talking about, because I'm right. sure Kevin's used that word with you a million <laughs> times. It has this much goodness, but the problem is that you're, you're paying this much. So I want to lower that goodness amount to get down to what you pay for it. Yeah. And the, the round and roundabouts we had to go through because how do we do that, you know, without making it more difficult? We actually just mechanically did it. We, right. um, my, my thought was you have to shake a dice and you need a, a five or higher to make it work. Otherwise, right. because you can be the most fanatical believer and still die, right? <laughs> and still suck, at, still suck at your job. Still exactly. should have been digging ditches instead of flying airplanes, yeah. Exactly. So I wanted, it, I wanted some, okay, I got, I got damaged, I'll just throw my Harido out. Okay, and then I shake my dice. Oh, crap, it didn't work. I'm still damaged. Right. Right. You know, but Harido is gone. Um, but we, had, we just basically decided to make it a, a far more rare, it's not rare in any way, shape, or form, but a far more rare occurrence occurrence too yeah yeah which basically makes it in in zero liter virtually every pilot had at least one samurai spirit you know (laughs) and some had as many as three when i was going through to change them uh looking after we had this discussion i'm looking at oh my lord you know all these pilots that have um samurai spirit harido in stuka leader they have harido starting as a newbie you know as a veteran (laughs) they have three yeah the, the scale is way wrong, you know, so we, yeah. we played around with that to make it, and now it works a lot better. You suddenly, Good. you are not Good. completely invincible. You actually have yeah. to fight, and, and that makes it a lot of fun. It really does. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. Well, we have been chatting for, geez, over an hour, and I could easily keep asking questions and picking your brain about Stuka Leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But let's cover the things we need to talk about. So, okay, uh, Kickstarter, yes. 20th of April. Yes. One it goes live today. Yep. At noon it is going to go daylight time. Noon Pacific. All right. So Correct. what is the, what is the, the, the plan? I know there's a lot of things that Dan and mm-hmm. you guys have got up your sleeves, mm-hmm. but it's uh, core game, obviously some expansions that are out there. They will at least Correct. take you to other theaters and, and add in some, some flavor that way. Um, I know you guys have already got stretch goals and things like that built in. Yep. What, mm-hmm. um, is it also going to be standard that there's the, the usual bundle kits out there where people may have missed out in zero liter. Um, so they're going to be able to pick up a yep. copy of Stuka and order copies of, of a lot of the other games that they may or may not have missed. Cause that's how I keep acquiring DVG games. I'm like, I forgot right. to buy yep. that one, but I'm doing this Kickstarter. I, so I'll pick up the other on ones. One. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All of the typical DVG um, back uh, backer kit kind of thing right. where you can add them on or whatever that will, that will be true. I, and I think virtually every game. I, I remember with Corsair Leader, I wanted, I want to say it was IAF, but it had just come, it was relatively yeah. new. And they're like, no, 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 you can't buy it, you know, in this special thing. <laughs> okay, tell your customer he can't buy a game. That's, that's wise. So, yeah, but yeah, I, that's I, not going to work. It, but, but now I'm pretty sure that just about every game that they've got shows up in the backer kit. Good, good. So, yeah, we've got the base game. And then, of course, you can just, add on whatever you want. But then I put together packages where you can save 
of a couple bucks by buying the base game and say both of the Eastern European expansions or right. buy the base game and both Mediterranean expansions. And then of course we go through all of that all the way down to the all in where you buy the base right. game, all seven expansions and do all that kind of thing. Um, and one of the things with expansions, we were trying to figure out how I said, I wanted to be so that if somebody buys an Eastern European expansion and gets this really cool airplane, and wants to fly it, you know, in defense of Germany, like the DO-335 is one of the airplanes that's in the Eastern European expansion. Right. I want to fly those against B-17s, okay? So the rule is that if you have an expansion aircraft that 1944, you can fly it in a 1944 scenario. Uh, and then I wanted to go, okay, well, I want these targets, some of these really cool targets, that are in these expansions, I want them, right. you know, for people who are playing this or that, if they've got them. And it was very difficult because it messes up the, the, the good, great, you know, the right. things. If you, have the, if you add these targets in, then you're getting a lot more opportunities to score the victory points that are not shown in that. Yeah, um, exactly. So it was, how can I do that? Well, what I did is I, I added three... Uh, new campaigns um, that I believe we're going to use as stretch goals or whatever as we go along. But one of the campaigns is the core game plus the two uh, Eastern Europeans. So now you get um, the core game aircraft flying. They can go after armor and do all that kind of stuff. Right. But that JU-87G can also fly um, regular core missions and do all that. And then I did the same thing for the Mediterranean. And then because I'm a complete it, I did it all in. <laughs> so the all in, every single target that's available, I, I want to say that there's 60-some <laughs> targets. Yeah. Every single target's available. Every single aircraft is available, and away you go, including the um, what-if airplanes. Right, so, right. Um, I wasn't even going to talk about those because that's always <laughs> a fun thing to see what actually shows up and, and to be surprised, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, by by those aircraft, but I I do have a question. So yes. uh, because you and I talked about it last time when we talked about zero, and it was a, a point of much uh, laughing on our parts. So are you prepared to horribly offend grognards out there by offering a sleeve with Stuka Leader like you did for Zero Leader? <laughs> <laughs> Why would I want a sleeve on oh. my game? <laughs> uh, yeah, and I know who you're talking about. <laughs> And I exactly. talked to him today <laughs> about my second idea. Um, I like to call him, and actually it's, it's really, really funny, because after I hang up the phone, my wife says, why do you even talk to him? And I said, because he's my friend. It yeah. seems like we argue because he trusts me enough to actually tell me that's a stupid idea. Yeah, okay? which is good. You and, need and, that feedback. And, yeah, you need that feedback, because normally, like if you go to a restaurant and you really don't like your food, but the waiter comes up and says, how everything? Oh, it's excellent. Oh, it's you know, good. That kind of stuff? Fine. Yeah. Perfect. Best ever. And and don't play testers. Don't they tell you that? Oh, yeah, this is a yeah. really, really good game. I will never, ever play it because I can't stand it. But it's a really good we, game. We may me. have just had that discussion between Pat Doyle and I, the, the Mariner Games team, about mm -hmm. play testers and what they tell you. <laughs> Correct. Well, this guy, he, I don't have to worry about because he'll, he'll right. just say flat out, that's really stupid. He says, at one point, he said, your ego is getting ahead of you, changing, <laughs> changing this game. Leave it the way it is. I'm like, no, yeah. every game's got to be different, whatever. 
so I know exactly who you're talking about. And when I bounced my 1.30 a.m. ideas off of him, he really liked the hidden one. He said, that's a fantastic idea. But my other one, he said, no. He says, that's yeah, almost that. as stupid as that sleeve you came out with. as a. <laughs> so he, Excellent. He's still angry. That he that still remembers. Yeah, he, yeah. And I'm like, it didn't cost you a penny. Didn't cost you anything. He, yeah, exactly. Mine is still in the sleeve here. Yeah. yeah he, oh, he says, that's funny. Oh, it was just a total waste and everything. So he's still yelling at me about it. That's funny. But he's, well, that, a great, that, he's a great guy and he does that. No, we don't have a German sleeve coming. Um, even oh, though I think... I think most of Stuka Leader stuff could it actually could fit in the box a little bit better than Zero Leader did. Yeah, we'll see. That's but, all right. Um, That's okay. <laughs> yeah, but no, there is at this point there is no German sleeve. Okay, I'm brokenhearted, but that's all right. One less grognard to get yelled at by. Well, so. exactly, and, it, and it's funny that you would bring him up because I, well, I and and, and I we exactly know it's going to happen. Going with that yeah. Way. Yeah, with, with every every game, there are going to be decisions you make that make perfect sense to you, yep. and then everyone. A handful of people will be like, I don't want that. I don't care about that. Why, why would you include that airplane? Right. Then don't play it. You exactly. know, so. Exactly. It's so, there. You don't have to play it. Yeah. Once again, right? it's a solo game. Choose your own adventure. So. Mm -hmm. that's well, that, exactly well right. that's awesome. Well, I hate to cut this off uh, because, yeah. like I said, I'd love to keep talking, love to delve into this. We may, uh, after the Kickstarter goes, we may need to come back, circle back with you and see, uh, see what stretch goals got funded, what's going to be done, and, and what the plan is. Thank you all very much. We will talk to you again next week with another episode of the Lead Pursuit Podcast. Bye.